Champions Mojo is part of the CG Sports Network. Success is a state of mind and accept, you know, if something, if you work very hard for something and doesn't happen, you can try for five minutes, make the, the best out of that situation and keep moving up. Welcome to Champions Mojo, a podcast to bring out your inner champion. Your hosts are sisters-in-law, Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Kelly is a former Division I head swim coach, Olympic trials qualifier, and holds national and world records in master swimming. Maria holds world records in endurance cycling and won the world's toughest bike race, Race Across America. Both are certified health and life coaches. Our goal is to inspire you through conversations with champions. And now your host, Kelly Palace. Maria, you and I have recently learned about a top 10 new app being used by our friends and Olympic champions, Elizabeth Beisel, Carolyn Joyce, and Maggie Steffens. And that's the Indy app. And they are the sponsor of today's show. Yes, Indy allows athletes, thought leaders, and everyday experts in any field to earn extra income by sharing their knowledge. With the Indy app, anyone can easily create lessons, make product recommendations, or create personalized content, which they can then post for people interested in what they know. I love this app, Kelly, because it allows anyone with know-how to earn income even without a huge social media following. And it's simple to get started. Download the Indie app, upload your content, set a price, and share. So go to Indie.com, that's I-N-D-I.com, or find Indie in the Apple or Google Play Store and cash in on your passions today. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo podcast. And as usual, I am co-hosting with Maria Parker. Hello, Maria. Hi, Kelly. Good to be here today. Yes. Well, we want to give our guest a thorough introduction in a moment. But first, let's welcome him to the show. Sergio Lopez Miro, welcome to Champions Mojo. Oh, thank you very much. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we are thrilled to have you. So, It is our tremendous honor today that we are going to chat with this true champion, both as an athlete and a coach. Our guest, Sergio Lopez Miro, has one of the most diverse and deep swimming resumes in the sport of swimming. First, starting out as a swimmer himself, he earned a bronze medal in the 1988 Olympic Games in the 200-meter breaststroke. And next, Sergio began building an amazing swimming coaching resume, having many athletes on the Olympic level and swimmers that have earned Olympic gold medals. In fact, besides Joseph schooling his swimmer for Singapore in the Olympics who won gold, he had four other swimmers in the Olympic Games in 2016 in the top four. Maria, can you share a little bit more about these swimmers and about Sergio's coaching career? Sure, Kelly. Prior to Sergio's current position as the head men's and women's swim coach at Virginia Tech, he either headed up or served in a large capacity in the success of the Singapore national team, Auburn University, West Virginia University, Northwestern University, and the prestigious Bowl School, coaching such greats as Ryan Murphy, Joseph Schooling, Caleb Dressel, and Santo Condorelli. So now let's get to it and chat with Coach Sergio. Yes. Sergio, well, Sergio, it's good. Okay. Sergio. <laughs> Again, Maria, here we are, a couple of girls born and raised in Virginia. Yep. So we are thrilled to speak with the Virginia Tech coach who we have had. Uh, we've had requests, get Sergio on your show. So here he is. So Sergio, <laughs> let's start out by uh, telling us what is happening at Virginia Tech right now with the pandemic, your training, competing. How's it going? I think it's going pretty well. Um, I think... My attitude has always been to always look at the positives of, of the negatives, and that's the type of team that we're trying to have. Uh, and we're making the best out of any opportunity. I think we have a very good athletic director and a good president in the school. That I think the leadership has shown, at least in my field and, or in our department, and we've been able to have a consistent um, training and a consistent We've been able to do a, a very good job, I think, for the kids. Uh, recruiting, we thought it was going to be hard. Uh, it's hard because the kids cannot come. But, we've, you know, the kids, uh, the recruits have made their choice to come with their parents. We haven't seen them or anything, but we've got huge commitments. So 
I think making the, the positives out of the negatives has worked very well for us. And I think we're slowly taking steps forward. Yeah. Um, how, when you talk about your leadership there um, at Virginia Tech, what, just right off the bat, we don't do a whole lot of X's and O's as, as I think I told you in our, in our prep letter. Um, but what, uh, what, what defines good leadership for you in, in just in general? Like what is a leader? Well, I think, I think the bottom line, and maybe it's a cliche, is to be able to empower people to be the best that they can be. No? And I'll, honestly, as a head coach, we just, if you talk about the systems, for example, the people that work with you, you want to have people that are better than you uh, or they, they're going to do things that you don't want to do and empower them to do that. So I think and it, it, that filters down to, to the team you know, and the student athletes. You know? I think our job, even though our job is to win, our job is to really help them understand their talent. You know? And I think... Uh, what we do is try to empower them to feel that, you know, that, that power that they have that you felt as a swimmer, you know, that the goosebumps or when you're taking a shower that you like to feel that I had a great practice, but the coach didn't even see me, but I'm so powerful today. And, and that's the energy and what's going to make you successful as a parent or as a janitor or as an engineer. So I think that's what we try to do, you know, just empower, empower people to be the best of the team. I, I love that really broad answer to that question. How did you learn that? Well, I think uh, it comes, comes back to when I was a kid, you know. Uh, I grew up in a dictatorship uh, in Spain. We had a 40-year dictatorship. It was kind of, I, I was only in the last 10 years of it. Uh, interesting, you know. Uh, I, I'm Catalan, Spanish. I speak Catalan, but I was not allowed to speak Catalan outside of the house, you know. If the police saw you or heard you, they could beat you up or you, you know, there was a lot of uh, strange things going on and then we went into a democracy. But I think everything that boils down to the fact that my father left us when I was three years old and you're talking in a very Catholic society where everybody lives together no matter what. Uh, women didn't have really working power, you know. So my mom was left with three kids. And so I grew up, my mom is the biggest example that I have in my life, uh, but she was never home. You know, she was always working, you know. And so she had three jobs, three jobs, and just to pay for the debt or, or to put us through school. And so I, I grew up a lot in the street, you know, in Barcelona. And I think Barcelona is a very artistic city, you know, and it's a very... If you have the chance to go, if you've been in, in Barcelona, you would understand, but if not, you need to go. You know, it has hundreds of years of tradition of jugglers, artists, uh, architects. And I spent a lot of time watching people in the streets, you know, wondering what my life, even between the school and training, where was my life going? And I think that made me understand the power that swimming gave me, you know, because I was not a very good swimmer growing up. I was like always top three from the bottom, you know. <laughs> so, but, but I always loved to train and I loved to, I think swimming was the thing that made me understand how powerful I was as a person. So, and uh, I, you know, I became good maybe at the age of 17 and this changed to me, uh, for me, big time in the swimming scenario. And, and I think for me, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a coach because even though I wanted to be an Olympic champion, it was very far-fetched, you know, like it was, you know, no coach believed that I could do anything like that if I don't even qualify for nationals. So then I wanted to coach an Olympic champion. So I think trying to help people understand what seemed, how powerful swimming have made me feel internally and because it's a gift that you have, you know, uh, we have so many talents. They, they, they get diluted, you know. And whoever is in swimming uh, for so many years, they can understand their talent. And their talent doesn't mean that you're going to be an Olympic champion. The talent is that you can feel happy and you can understand internal success you know, and how you can build that to be good in school or to be a good parent or to be a good friend. You know. So I think yeah, that's how I learned it. 
Wow. I love that. So Sergio, so we, you know, we obviously are going to have a lot of swimmers listening and swim parents. And so when you're this young swimmer and you're not very good, you didn't get good till you were 17 or 18. What did you tell yourself to get you to be an Olympian, an Olympic medalist, nonetheless, like how, what, what tools did you use to stay in the game, to be patient? Well, I probably cry a lot, and probably, <laughs> uh, I, I honestly don't know. It's just like I can tell you one thing. My mom told me this when I was 28 years old. You know, when I was 28 years old, and I stopped swimming as a professional athlete, and I went back to Spain with my wife to work, and I didn't like the way Spain was going with things. So I decided to sell my house and come to America to start coaching in America. So I spent a month in my ha- in my mom's house and. Uh, I was very sad, very depressed because there was the first time in my life that I felt that I had no direction. You know, I, had, I didn't know what, what I was going to do. And my mom it has always been my example of working hard, never giving up. Um, she asked me one day, I said, hey, Sergio, why are you so sad? It's like, you always have a home here. That's a mother. You can be 50 years old. This is your home. Mm-hmm. So where I live, you can always be there, you know? And after living in America, you don't think that way anymore because once you're a teen, you go out of the house. And many parents don't want to, not me, but many parents don't want their kids back, you know? <laughs> so she told me, you know, when you were a kid and you trained so hard, you would go to a meet, you would swim really bad. You would cry for five minutes and the next day you would be at the pool. And I didn't understand why, because my mom wasn't an athlete and said, you know, if my son is doing that, I need to keep working, you know. So she said, even though I, maybe she just told me that to make me feel good because that's what we do sometimes to the, with the kids. But, um, but she told me that I taught her how to never give up because I wanted to do something with my swimming and I was crying and I was not accomplishing what I wanted, but I, next day I was working hard to be that, you know. So I think, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. No, I think that that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. I I think as a, you know, as a swimmer who admires you as a coach, that um, it just shows you can get your inspiration from anywhere. It doesn't have to be, you know, the the guy in the next lane or the girl in the next lane or a swim coach. It can be your mother or um, just, you know, the person that, is working hard in the street. You just, you just don't know. So that's, that's a beautiful example. Uh, certainly in your world there in Virginia tech, I, I want to say how I got tuned in to Sergio. Of course, if you're in the swimming world, it, you know, you know who Sergio is, but recently I became kind of, uh, wanted to follow up with you because I saw you being interviewed after the ACC championships last year, when you broke your leg right and and on the deck and then you stayed on the deck and finished the meet you broke it like in the middle of the meet and so I just you've just got this mindset of this when I saw it I just couldn't believe it because you know I I I was a a coach and I a division one head coach and I've been to those all you know all week long ACC's all week long NCAA's for many years and they are the most grueling on a coach there's no sleep there's just you know, there's, it's high stress. It is, it is a week of your life as a college coach that is just gone. It's like the, you know, you're, you're giving a hundred percent to your team. So what was your mindset when you went through this painful break and then you had to be on deck and continue and give us a little bit about like how you broke it, what the pain level was, how you got through it. I just was, I was mesmerized by your recovery on that. Well, what did I guess? I work it pretty well because they had to put five screws, a plate, and a zip tie. You know? So uh, what happened is it was very simple. On the last day of the women's, uh, we were walking in uh, for the mile. And I saw the, the, the floor over there is very slippery. And I know. It's really slippery. And yeah. I just walked in in front of the girls. And I, did a, I always wanted to be a gymnast. And now I proved that I couldn't be a gymnast because I did a full split. And then... Uh, my ankle, my ankle went under my leg and my body went on top of my ankle. So I kind of like, and you know, at that point I was 270 pounds. 
of pure love that went into <laughs> my ankle. So I just, it just cracked. It just uh, cracked my fist, uh, fibula. And I thought that, you know, it, it was okay, you know. Like, so I, they, they didn't know if it was broken or not. So I stayed for that session. The following day, the team left, and I was going to stay there anyway because uh, one day later, the men were coming. So my wife drove up, and she took me to the emergency room on Sunday, and we went to a couple places, and finally, they, they pretty much told me, you're going to have to have a surgery because it's broken. You know? So what I did is like, uh, mm-hmm. I could have gone home, but I thought, I really felt that I need to stay there. The kids work so hard, and you know, I think, if, if, I, if I treated like nothing happened, even though I was a little bit riding around with a little moped and sitting most of the time. But I did a lot of meditation and visualization because I, I don't like medicine, so I didn't take any pain medicine. And I, I just put my leg up uh, every night, five or six kilos, and, and I went through the meat fine. Uh, uh, it was kind of hard because I had to stay in a certain place doing a warm-up. But I think... The fact that, that they see you there hopefully makes them understand that they can do whatever they need to do. You know? So uh, I came back, and a few days later, I went to get, get surgery, and I got surgery, and now I'm walking. Every once in a while, my ankle still pops up so a little bit, and, like it gets a little inflammated because it's standing on the pool deck a lot, but it's, you know, I can do a lot. So you're, you're healed up. Gosh, I, That's amazing. you know, you're winning an Olympic uh, bronze medal is a great feat, but I, ha- I just have to say that that's the kind of leadership that, you know, that I'm sure those kids were so inspired. So I had, I had even kind of forgotten that you, you did it at the women's meet and then you went through the whole next week of the men's meet like that. So just, um, Amazing. yeah, so, so that's beautiful. So you do yeah. meditate, you meditate and visualize. Yeah, we do a lot of meditation and visualization. If you go, now I'm going to publicize my podcast. Yeah, sure. if, you go, if you go to my YouTube channel, you can see I put a couple of them. But since I was a kid, I did a lot of it. I, you know, and I'll give you another story that I think that's why it works and how I learned about it, what I was doing without nobody telling me. Because I, as a kid, I was visualizing a lot to be the best in the world. You know? And um, so in 1987, I was driving my motorcycle going into the city in Barcelona and I was hit by a car, Oof. you know, uh, I was going 130 kilometers per hour. So around 85 miles per hour mm-hmm. but with traffic, you know, and this car came from behind and hit me so hard that I pretty much woke up five hours later in the hospital and I broke my scapula, my bone. And, you know, like, I, so this was, I think June 5th or June 6th. And I had European championships in August, August, August. So pretty much the thing that I remember, I was with my arm like this at the hospital. And I asked the doctor if I could, if I was going to be able to compete, you know, the, the typical thing that we ask as athletes, oh, you know, kind of, and the guy told me, no way, you know, we're going to have to put a cast through your chest and your, your arm to keep it like that, you know. And by the time we take the cast, there's going to be two or three months, uh, you will have a lot of atrophy you know, in your arm, and this nerve is going to be in bad condition, you know. So I told him not to cast me. I called my mom finally because they couldn't find me. There were no cell phones. I called my mom, and I was like, uh, they were worried because I didn't go to practice. I didn't show up to practice. And so she picked me up, and she took me to the doctors that I had in my swim team, but they're very good orthopedic doctors, genius. And... They told me the same thing, but they told me that instead of like putting a cast, they would wrap me up, you know, very tightly. That I would have less atrophy, that for sure I wasn't going to be able to go to European championships, but that I would recover quicker, you know, and the nerve would be less affected. But that they would have to check it once a week or twice a week to make sure there was tight enough. So don't ask me how, you know, I got, uh, I used to have a, one of those yellow Walkman's things, you know, and... Uh, I, I, list, I, I got two, two songs, and one, I visualized like how I was, you know, a dweller, a dweller like, like somebody, you know, like, uh, so I was doing that to my scapula because they showed me the x-ray. So I was visualizing how I was fixing my scapula. You're welding, you're welding your yeah. bones. 
Yeah, welding my bones. And the second one, I visualized my race. My best time was 2.19, and with my coach, we were working on 2.16.5, you know? So I visualized my race, and I, you know, stop by stroke and with a stopwatch, and I, you know, try to get my splits that I wanted. Around four weeks after I was doing all this, and I was working my legs, too, uh, you know, uh, because I, 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 could, I couldn't sweat a lot. I had to be careful, but... Four weeks into that, or four and a half weeks, I went to my doctor and I told him, I think I'm healed. I can feel this. And it's like, ah, that, 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 Sergio. They did an x-ray and they said that I was fine. So then I told the federation that I wanted to go to Europeans, but they said, no, Sergio, you can't. In four weeks, you know that, right? They said, if in two weeks at Catalan championships, at the regional championships, you can go 220, no, we'll take you. So... I got in the water, I was swimming with one arm, but I, I went to the meet, I went to 20, and then they took me to Europeans, and two weeks later I went to 16.51, the exact time that I was visualized. So I've always done that, uh, tried to learn. I teach, we do a lot of visualization meditation with all my, my teams, underwater, above the water, outside the pool. So we try to teach them how to breathe through the diaphragm and how to use colors and different things and how to move the energy. Some of them think that I'm a little bit crazy, that maybe I'm smoking some pad or something. <laughs> but, but I think it, it works very well. I, I absolutely love the, the visualization of a welder welding your bones together. That's such a powerful image. And so, of course, it was happening while you were visualizing it. It's just, it's just I, beautiful. I, yeah, I think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know. If you think you're going to get sick, you will get sick. Okay. If you get sick, it's okay. You know, it's just like do the best, you know, embrace it, and get it out, you know. One of the things that we try, when we visualize, we try to and we use colors, you know. You breathe through the diaphragm, bring, like at one point, you bring some sort of like light, bright energy into your, below your navel, because one of the centers where you have a lot of energy. And then when you excel, you excel everything out dark, negative. Like, and then you do that four or five times, deep breathing, and then you go into your leg. If there's any pain in your leg or your knee or whatever, you bring positive yellow energy or white energy to that leg, and then you excel everything negative. And, you know, if you do that, you feel so grounded and so good that after that, it, it really helps you, you know. It's like, and if it helps the process of healing, uh, I really believe so. You know, I haven't done a lot of meditation or this just when I teach them. Uh, but when I broke my ankle at the hotel room at night, uh, I did a lot of breathing exercises, uh, excelling the pain of the broken thing because it wasn't really, it, it was just wrapped up, you know. Uh, and I went through the whole meeting without taking one single pain pain. And I'm not a very strong person, you know what I mean? Like, ah, you know, like, uh, if you pinch me, I'll be like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I love, I, so, so you use meditation, um, and, and I, and you teach this to your, your athletes as well. Can you, can you tell me what else you, you know, is in your bag of tricks, uh, for creating these incredible, six, incredibly successful athletes? And do they, do they, and do they absorb it all? I think so. I think, for example, the meditation exercise, you know, I coach, I used to coach Mark Rivers, you know, and when I was at Northwestern and, and people like that, when, if you get those guys to buy into, we do meditation underwater and you can feel what's going on and then and you, you induce yourself to a certain stage, you know, um, you can see the, the best stuff possible. You know, you have all these coaches and all these biomechanics, they're so, such technicians and how oh, put the hand and the ankle. But if you calm somebody's body and mind down and allow them just to go through the water the way they can feel it better, you, you can make some corrections, but they're going to, uh, you know, they're going to swim really well. You know? um, and I, th- I, I really think that's, uh, that's the key. You know, sometimes we worry too much about swimming fast and pushing and getting so strong, and, but we don't understand how to move. Like, for example, right nowadays, if you, you know, 
like this year, I had one of the postdoc kids that came to train with me. Uh, it's training because, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying anything, I'm just watching. You know? And he goes up to Albert after three or four weeks. It's like, why is that you're not correcting my stroke? And I'm like, and Albert told him, I said, look, and then I told the kid to us, like, surgery will not correct you your stroke until he understands how you move through the water and how you do things. Because, you know, it doesn't make any sense to tell you, catch the water this way if you cannot feel. You know what I mean? And he needs to understand how you move. That's what he told me, and that's what he does with people. And that's what the way I coach. I love that. I love that. So obviously you've been around all these amazing champions. Uh, what do you see as a commonality among the best? Well, they're, they hate to lose. Uh, some of them have a very dark side, you know, but all of we all have a dark side, you know, we'll have a, as I told you before, we're as dysfunctional as our neighbor, you know, but it's how you learn how to control that dark side, you know, but, um, but they're very, they can be very harsh, you know. It's like very hard people, you know. Uh, and I think that's, in, that's not, um, how you call it? That's not, people think when we talk about those things, it's like, it's a negative thing. It's not a negative. It's a positive thing. If you, have, you can embrace it and utilize it, you know. But I would say that they're very selfish, driven, hate to lose, uh, and they can be obnoxious sometimes. Is that a obnoxiousness um, based around uh, intensity for their goals or what? Well, well, maybe obnoxious is not the right word, but they can be, uh, they, can, they can come across like as bad people sometimes, in a sense. Like, yeah. But it's just because the, the drive that they have to be excellent. You know? and, and, and it's how you manage, help them manage that. Know, help them understand it. It's okay, don't lose that. But sometimes you can uh, be like that to somebody next to you that has nothing to do with your success. You know, yeah. And, yeah. and and that's the hard part. You know, I think mm-hmm. you talk about mental health issues nowadays more than anything else, and I think we're correct. But mental health issues have been forever. You know, right. and uh, I. We can name so many world-class athletes. Being a world-class at anything is very dangerous. And you don't have to be world-class. You can be the best summer league swimmer in your neighborhood. Then in the moment that you lose ownership of who you are because your parents, your neighbors, your kids, your dad, you start having issues because you don't trust who you are. You doubt about it. And today I don't go this fast. People are disappointed. And that's the hard part. So when you put that into somebody who has that drive, it's, it's, it's a very it's a very volatile combination. Can you give an example of someone that you've coached who's you know has this this sort of dark power <laughs> that you've oh, oh, well, that you've helped you know manage it and and they've become happier or more successful? Well, you know, Kevin Corbis, Ryan Murphy, uh, Santa Condorelli. All these guys, Kelly Dress. I wasn't primary coach of Kelly Dress, so that's I, I have to say that. Kelly, uh, my assistant Jason was his primary coach because he didn't go to school at Bulls, but he was a member of the team. So some the first couple of years, I think he practiced three to four months in the summer with us, with my group, because we had to use them. But you know, I know Caleb very well because of all the business, you know. And, and I would never say that I was his coaching high school, but I, my assistant was his primary coach, Chase. But all of them have a very hard side. Make sense? And to give you examples would be kind of like, uh, you know, like, I'm sure. But, but for example, uh, Joseph Schooling is training with me right now. You know? um, and I coached Joseph since he was 12 years old until he went to Texas. You know? And when his father brought him to Bowls, the deal was that I was going to help him be a gentleman, you know, and then be an Olympic champion. That, that was his goal, you know. Um, and, and, and I, when the kids are bowls, I think, you know, we talk about Joseph and this, but from my group, I think in seven and a half years, 210 swimmers went to college. 
you know, 210. You know? So this relationship with so many people makes sense. But I always knew that I was a person to, to create a product in an, in an objective way, a product for somebody else to take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Sense? Because I was a high school coach. And, and I never wanted to coach them. No, I don't want to say that. I always wanted to coach them, you know, if I could. But once they gone, they're gone. They know you sooner than they can be friends. So I never asked any one of those guys to come and train with me. But I, ha- I was having conversations this past summer, not this summer, like a while back, with Joseph. And I, and I said, look, I know I can help you because you need to realize certain things. It's not so much about the training, but, but as a person that you and me know, and we can work together. And that's why he's here. It's nothing bad. It's just not for swimming. It's just for his own life, you know, because he became an Olympic champion. And a lot of people criticize him because maybe he's not swimming as fast. But, but probably because they're just jealous. When you're an Olympic champion, you always will be an Olympic champion. But he has a billion people, one billion people, more famous than Michael Phelps probably in Southeast Asia, idolizing him and expecting things. And when you lose ownership of who you are at that level, it's, it's so hard that you have to learn how to ground yourself again, you know? And if you want to have a healthy life. And, and that's why I asked Joseph, hey, I need to think about coming and training with us in Virginia and Blacksburg. And if you're going to give up being in Singapore, in a great city, to be in Blacksburg, another great city, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's, that's, but I think it's, it would be kind of hard to give an example because people will take it in the wrong way. Right. And, and all those guys are amazing. They have great hearts, you know, but they deal with their internal things differently. And some of it, if you work with them, any coach will, if any, if all the coaches will write books or will write something really open, with an open mind, about how they had to deal with internal things of certain of the top swimmers, uh, it would be an amazing book, I think, because uh, there's some very interesting stuff. Well, I know um, mental health of both coaches and athletes is one of your passions. Um, so right now in this strange time, you know, pandemic, uh, NCAAs canceled last year, we don't know what's happening yet with, 2021 um, and the vaccine and all that. What what advice, Sergio, would you give to people out there who may have a wedding planned? They're training for Olympic trials. They just the future is uncertain. What advice would you give to getting well, through this? I think the advice would be the, the future is not uncertain because the thing is it's very simple. We, we're born, we live, and we die. It, it's as simple as that. And life is more simple than we make it, you know? Now, yes, the fact that you cannot go to an Olympic might be disappointing, but you had an amazing career and you have a beautiful life in front of you. And if your life only lasts one more year because the world disappears, let's make the best out of it. You know what I mean? And that's important. If you cannot have a wedding and, and you're truly in love with your partner and this and that, do you think that matters? No, because you're going to be with that person for the next four years of your life. You know, if, if you truly are with the right person. So who cares about postponing it one year, two years, whatever it is. You know, you have that person next to you. You know what I mean? That you cannot have Christmas with your parents because you're in college or whatever. You know, we have most of our foreign athletes are not going home and it's their own choice for Christmas. Why? Because they don't want to risk not being able to compete. If they come back and they test positive and this and that, they're in a bubble right now. And like, so and it's okay. There's going to be many more Christmas in life. No? So just be positive and look at the good that you have in your life and, and embrace that. Embrace those moments and just keep plugging along. So the end of the world. So if... It, it seems like you've thought a lot about this, so I want, to, I want you to answer this question. We asked what what makes a champion in swimming, and, and you, you gave a great, a great answer, but I think you must have thought about what, what makes a champion in life. What makes, 
What makes a, a good life, a well-lived life? I think probably, I would say, one of the most important things is really understanding, because we live in a very, in a society more and more that everything is about perception, you know, perception of how successful we are. You know, the parents who want the kids to go to the best schools. And it is because it's a reflection, you think it's a reflection. I think when people really learn to understand that I, I have this, I think I put it even in hashtags, success is a state of mind. You know? And the bottom line is that when I go to bed, I've been with my wife for 30 years. And, but when I go to bed, I go to bed alone. I close my eyes alone. You know? And whatever thoughts they go here, they're my thoughts, and I need to be in peace with those. Make sense? So that I don't win, an, uh, like, for example, my goal, I wanted to always win an NCAA championship, you know, as a, as a, as a, with a team. But right now, for example, if I stop swimming coaching today, I will never look back. You know what I mean? Because I feel that I can look at the positives of my life, you know, and keep moving forward. You know, and, you know what I mean? So I think that's, that would be the bottom line. Success is a state of mind and accept, you know, if something, if you work very hard for something and doesn't happen, you can try for five minutes, make the, the best out of that situation and keep moving up. That, that is, that's beautiful. I, you're reminding me, we're going to ask you later what your favorite Star Wars character is and mine's Yoda. So I, I, <laughs> I'm going to nickname you Yoda, Sergio. I love Yoda. Uh, <laughs> so, um, in the interest of time, uh, our last question that we ask you before we do a couple of fun um, rounds is, is there anything that we have not asked you that you would like to share with our listeners? Oh, no, I think, no. I think for, for, the, uh, for the parents, you know, that they're listening used to make sure that you don't leave your dreams to your kids, mm. you know, just empower them to be the best they can be. And, and, and I guess uh, you have to, the, you, your children only expect unconditional love, you know, and that's an important thing. I think, you know, my mom always told me, and I thought she told me that because I was a menace to society and I did some pretty interesting <laughs> stuff. You know? So I was in trouble a lot, a lot. Even though I never missed practice, I did everything else that you can imagine. Um, and she always told me, said, you know, Sergio, your kids will come to this world to teach you about yourself. You know? and, and if you think about it, uh, and when you have children, the, if you really want to have children, because some people have children and they don't want to have them, and then that's a bigger problem. But if you have children and you watch them, the way they move, the way they talk, and you see yourself in them, and you're like, oh, crap. How can I figure this out so <laughs> my daughter or my son don't go through the same pain that I went through? And I can help them manage this anger or, or, or think this way or in, instead of like push them down, you know, instead of like don't do this, don't do that. And, and I think that would be one thing for the parents. You know, empower your kids, love them unconditionally and allow them to be with direction who they want to be. For the athletes, I would say, never give up, you know, but just stay the course. Uh, you will know at the end uh, if, if it was meant to be or not. And that sounds very cliche when people say, well, I'm meant to be. But at the end of the day, life goes on, you know, and uh, you, your career is going to be over at one point. And you, when they're going to be our age, what they're going to remember is not the Olympic medal. Like, if you ask me where my medal is, I couldn't tell. Because it's somewhere in a box, somewhere in my house. You know, uh, I never wanted to put anything, anything in, in, in my house, so I wouldn't condition my kids to be Olympians. You know? uh, so, so it's like, just, just work as hard as you can, be honest, you know, with the effort that you make. Like, like, Every day, if you want to be a swimmer, give you 100%. You know? And I always tell the kids, if you're 100% today out of 10, it's a 7, just give a 7. And if it's a 5, give a 5. That's the only thing that you can do today. That's the only thing you do. 
And if you do that, there's nothing else you can do in life. Uh, that would be, I guess, very long to advise. I love oh, that. That's, a, that's, a, that's great advice. Yeah, I love that. Um, that, you know, if you can only give a seven today, that's your 100% today. Because yeah. Maria, you and I as athletes, we we think it has to be a 10 every day. And if it's not, then you walk away defeated. But thinking, you know, today I can only give a seven. I love, I love, I love it all. But okay, we, okay, we have a sprinter round of fun questions. And then we're going to get you out of here. Um, it's just to have our listeners get to know you a little bit better. So give us some quick answers here. Take your bar. All right. Cat or dog? Dog. Red or blue? Blue. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Both. <laughs> kickboard or no kickboard? Both. Mountains or beach? Beach. Football or baseball? Uh, none. None? I- iPhone or Android? Oh, Android. Yay! <laughs> coffee or tea? Uh, coffee. Morning person or night owl? Uh, I-, I love the night. I love... Okay. Uh, favorite color? Blue. Favorite pizza topping? Uof. Uh, I love food, so it's very hard to say because... <laughs> I, uh, I would love a seafood pizza or a meat lovers pizza or a pizza with anchovies. Oh, it's like, I don't know. I'm sorry. Favorite vegetable? None. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Favorite swim complex in the U.S.? Hmm. I, would say, I, I would say maybe because I swam there many, many times, uh, Texas. Uh, Good even though they're better ones, I guess. But, uh, uh, something on your pre-race playlist. Do you listen to music, and and if so, what what's a song? Yeah, like uh, like one of the uh, the songs that I use for meditation is from. Uh, I like a lot of piano music, or like uh-huh. that, uh, David Lance. Uh, so there's they have different songs, and I'm very bad. I I don't listen to music for the words. So I don't really even know the names of the, the songs, even though I've listened to them for 30 years. Because I just listen to the rhythm of the voice or the rhythm of the piano or whatever it is. But David Lance, we use it a lot. Um, if you look at the uh, music from August Rush, the movie August Rush, that is a movie that I use with the kids to make them understand swimming. Uh, uh, it's very good music. So, yeah, there's a lot of music. Music is, is you know, music depends on what. It can touch you and make you feel different emotions. So it's, it's very hard to say. Mm. What's your shoe size? 14. Any siblings? Two. Uh, older sister and a younger brother. Your favorite Star Wars character? I will have to say Yoda. Uh, but... Uh, this is a funny thing. I've never seen a full movie of Star Wars. I always fall asleep. <laughs> Star Wars, Harry Potter, and all those movies, I've never seen a full movie. I always fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> you might not be getting enough sleep. <laughs> that might be some coaching thing. <laughs> um, can you cook? Yes. Okay, last one. What word do you want? to come to mind when your swimmers dive into the water? What do you want your swimmers to be thinking as they dive into the water? Oh, um, that's a good. And I would think what we talk about it is it's about being one with the water. You know, uh, it's, it's just feel it, you know. And, you know, when we talk about a strategy of the race, it's not about a strategy on time. It's about how you feel. When, you know, and we can even talk about music, you know. A lot of, a lot of the swimmers are very good musicians, you know. They... So we talk about the rhythms. I ask them for permission, but I thought, you know, can I touch you? So we talk about rhythm and tapping and how you can increase and, you know, so they can feel themselves one on this way. Hmm. I love that. That's the last question. Thank you so much. It's now time for the takeaways. Maria, you and I have heard the takeaways are the best part of the show. That's right, Kelly, because the takeaways are curated information which is what we give to our clients when we coach them. 
If you would like to take your performance to the next level in health, life, or leadership, go to our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. Yes, just click on our coaching page and book there. We're looking forward to bringing out the champion in you. And now, the takeaways. Okay, so Maria, I got to talk to the Yoda of swimming coaches. He truly, <laughs> truly is Yoda. He truly is Yoda. I, yeah. I, I love talking to him. Yeah, that was great. Sergio has so much, like you and I both made notes of like 10 things, but again, we just, we just want a little, little couple of things here for each of us. What, what was your, uh, you said it, Maria, what was the overarching theme of that interview and of Sergio? Power of the mind. Um, just, he, he was so expert, I would say, at talking about the power of visualization, of meditation. I was so moved by his visualization of his broken arm welding together. If you know what welding is and you, you know, you, you know, I'm in the bike industry, so we weld, you know, we weld the component, the the various parts of the frame together. We have them welded and I know how that looks and how strong it is and it's, and how quick it is. So what a great visualization and picking Picking powerful visualizations, um, he talked about colors, um, which I thought was a great, you know, you know, breathing, you know, in light, lightness and colors, and you know, just so I guess I think, you know, if there's one one thing that I think he has a lot to offer his swimmers and the rest of us is this: remember how powerful your mind is in everything. Yes. Yes. Very, very good, good stuff. And you and I love, we love meditation. We love the mental side of the game and not as many, um, you know, not as many people are as, as detailed as he is. I think most of our champions definitely use visualization and they see themselves winning and they do a lot of that, but that was just a great description. Like you said, with the colors and the underwaters and all that. Yeah. I love that. So I think another theme that I felt like was kind of the overarching again too, was, Um, Sergio is not just training athletes. He's training people for life. And I really love that. And one of the uh, examples that he gave was don't lose sight of who you are. And his specific example was with Joseph schooling, who is just, you know, in Singapore, he's the Michael Phelps. He is, you know, has billions of followers and he's, you know, he's so, amazing, uh, there that he, he, he could might lose sight of himself, but having a coach like Sergio is certainly helpful. And, and we can scale that down to any of us, you know, little people in the world that, you know, don't lose, lose sight of who we are at our core. You know, it's, it's important to, you know, earn things and make things and, and do things, win, win, (laughs) win, win, win. Um, yeah. So, but, I think knowing who we are at our core and that's, that's um, something I I just uh, started with a new client in coaching and I, you know, send them the intake questionnaire that we always send. And one of the questions is who are you? What, what is the title that you give yourself? And, you know, someone who's an Olympic gold medalist might think, Oh, I'm an Olympic gold medalist, but maybe at the end of the day, they're a father or they're a mother, or they're, you know, a brother, whatever, but it's, it's more, you know, those, those accolades are great, and, and achieving is great, and having our checklist is great, Mm -hmm. Um, but really who, who we are, so don't lose sight of who you are, I love that was my, that was kind of the first one. Yeah, and yeah, and he talked a lot about that in the end, you know, we're human, we're people, you know, we live in relationships. So that, that's a, that, that's a great point. Yeah. And um, with that, I, I don't want to, I, I want to add on to that, but life is simpler than oh, we yeah. think it is. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was, that kind of goes hand in hand with, yeah. you know, you know, life is just really, let's get out in the sunshine. Let's get out and, and, and connect with other people. And so what, if, yeah. you, if you don't make the Olympic team, if you don't, you know, earn the million dollars or you don't drive the shiny car, whatever, um, it's just, life's pretty simple. Yeah. He said, you're born, you live, you die. And that, that is really true. So we may as well just have today and be that person today, you know, be enjoy today. I loved how he was so, uh, you know, he loved, to, he loved music. He loved to eat. He just seemed, yeah. He talked about it. Oh, passion, when we talked about pizza, that just like, <laughs> <laughs> I just, 
<laughs> this is this is a guy who who lives passionately. I thought he was really beautiful for that reason. Yeah. So the second thing that I took away, he, he mentioned it a couple of times, and uh, I'm going to probably put more meaning into it than he meant. But he said, you know, when something bad happens, cry for five minutes and then get on with it. He said he talked about it for himself when he didn't do well in a in a in a meet or in a practice. You know, cry for five, five minutes and then get on with it. But he also uses it with you know with with his with, i guess with his athletes with other people he he mentors you know the the thing about crying for five minutes and getting on with it is it acknowledges both that when you have something difficult or you have a loss you you acknowledge it it hurts have a little emotion experience that experience the emotion cry for five minutes or whatever it is sometimes it can be a day or whatever maybe it's six months you know, we, you have to experience the emotion, but then you must move on because life is short. You're born, you live, you die. And so I loved that cry for five minutes. That's going to be kind of a little mantra for me. It's like, yeah, cry for five minutes and then move on. Let's just move on. <laughs> Maria, you're talking to a Parker. You're married to a Parker. <laughs> no, right. we, we're stoic. We do not feel emotions. Yeah. We are not going to that. So that's a deep one for me because I think my tendency is to just say, oh, something was really disappointing and I just, oh, just fuck up camper. There's yeah. no crying in swimming. There's no right. crying in baseball. Just move on. So I think that's a really good one, especially today, you know, yeah. in this, this, when there are some things that are disappointing and you just, yeah. um, so I love it. I love that one. So my, yeah. um, my second one is really, I, I set it on the show and I think it is so it, it's so high impact for me because at whatever I do, I want to be a hundred percent. You know, I want to do a hundred percent. I want to get everything done on my checklist. I want to have a hundred percent of my workouts. I want to, you know, I just want to be at a hundred percent, but maybe on some days for whatever reason, you're not feeling well, you have a virus, you, you didn't get a good night's sleep. You you know, you have a heavier workload. You might've just had a big travel day. I know you just traveled from Florida up to Massachusetts, you know, just, so today, if you're rating yourself on a scale of one to 10 and a 10 is, a, you know, is where you want to be generally, uh, maybe a seven is your hundred percent today. So I think mm -hmm. that's in, in other words, it could just be, give yourself a break, yeah. you know, give, give, give yourself, don't be so hard on yourself. And I think that's where, you know, we are our worst enemies often. We talk to ourselves negatively and, oh, well, that, you know, workout didn't, that workout stunk or I didn't get everything that I wanted done today. Right. So I, I that one really spoke to me. Yeah, I like that. I like that too. I think that's, yeah. you know, you're absolutely right. That's important. So what a ter another terrific interview. These yes. coaches, coaches are so full of wisdom. It was really, yeah. a really Great. Great to talk to Yoda. Yeah. Yes. Yes. All right, Maria. Have a great day. Love you so much. All right. Love you too. Bye. This week's quote of the week comes from Sergio Lopez Miro. Life's pretty simple and short. You're born, you live, you die. Don't waste time. Enjoy life. You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast with host Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Champions Mojo is produced by Cabra Media and a new episode debuts every Tuesday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Follow Champions Mojo on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Champions Mojo.